This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. Offensive line issues being a problem last year. I'm really impressed with the way Carolina Hurricanes have looked. But LA is, and the LA Clippers are falling off, and they need to figure it out. And here's your host, David Marr. Welcome in episode 21 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. David Morrow alongside Andrew Spizzano. We had a fun uh, Sunday night that uh, also included a little bit of misery when Aaron Blood got hurt in the Panthers 4-1 over Dallas. Um, really gruesome to watch. Uh, and we'll talk about how that will impact the Panthers moving forward. But first, let's get to some NFL news and they approved the 17-game schedule with an 18 game regular 18 week regular season and that will uh Andrew what do you think of the move by the NFL to add a, an extra game onto the onto the schedule you know I, I actually love it um you know can't go against another week of football um for, I know for the Giants the Giants are going to be playing the Miami Dolphins which is going to be an interesting matchup I think the Dolphins and the Giants are both two young and up and coming teams um, but I'm excited to see how this plays out. Obviously, now instead of an eight and eight finish, you could see a nine and eight finish potentially. So you're gonna have 17 games now. I'm excited. There's some really good matchups on this schedule too. They you have uh, Green Bay, Kansas City, probably the best one out there. You have the, the Saints and the Titans that had that exciting Week 16 game uh, two years ago in Nashville. Um, the Patriots and the Cowboys in Foxborough should be a fun game. And then from my side of it, the Panthers go to Houston, which they did two years ago. Uh, another interesting one I would throw out there is the uh, Washington football team against the Bills um, at uh, Orchard Park. That should be a good game. Go Bills. Two good defenses. Yeah. Uh, probably the one disappointing game would probably be the Eagles going to the Jets, uh, depending on what happens this season in the, in the off season with the, uh, who the Jets will go after in the draft, along with Philadelphia, trying to sort out their issues. So let's start uh, getting into the NHL and start there as we talk about the weekend series that I think was one that we all expected to be fun, and that would be Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, and it concluded yesterday with the Oilers beating Toronto 3-2 to two, uh, in overtime, thanks to the heroics of the McDavid and Dreisaitl duo. Uh, Andrew, what are the takeaways from the Oilers and Leafs series that the Oilers were able to prevail last night? Um, you know, obviously the two top teams in the Canadian – or well, Winnipeg has actually passed Edmonton, but two of the top teams, and not just the Canadian division, but I think in the NHL. Um, and it was, it was entertaining, you know, two overtime games, and it was a split. Um, the first game, which was Saturday, Toronto won 4-3. And Austin Matthews, the star of that team, scored an OT. That was an exciting one. And then the second game, was that one went in Edmonton's favor. And Darnell Nurse, who's been a breakout defenseman for Edmonton, scored. That was a good series. Um, obviously, with Winnipeg being so hot, this, this Canadian division is really interesting. But I really hope that this is a preview of what we could see in the playoffs because – 
that Maple Leafs Oilers rivalry, you know, with all the stars on both of those teams, could be really intense, especially in a playoff series. And that those are two phenomenal games. It is the last time the Oilers and the Leafs will meet this season, and Toronto really won the majority of the matchups, sweeping the Oilers when the Oilers had a three-game series against them at home, and Toronto outscored them 13 to one in three games. So it was a huge statement win for the Oilers. It shows that they're improving. It shows that McDavid is still one of the best players in the NHL, probably the best player in the NHL. And it also shows that Darnell Nurse could be a Norris Trophy candidate being able to pot the winning goal uh, for the Oilers yesterday against Toronto. And it's a huge win for Edmonton, and it could hopefully set them on the right path as they, as they visit Montreal uh, for a huge series in the Canadian division. And then the other result, uh, that happened was the Panthers playing um, against Dallas. The Panthers, of course, won both games in uh, the Lone Star State. However, the big news of the of that game on uh, Sunday night was Aaron Eckblad's fracture to his knee, uh, and the result of him fracturing his knee is he's out for the rest of the season. So, Andrew, what do you think the Panthers will do moving forward with a, a catastrophic loss to this uh, to a team that was really on the rise and was having a lot of fun this season. You know, that injury to Ekblad was just terrible to watch. You know, it just felt like the mood of the entire game was just just quiet. Um, but obviously, that was a big, big weekend series win for the Panthers over Dallas, though, who they lost three in a row, but then they won two straight in Dallas, which was big. But I think one name to look at is Shane Gossespierre, who filled, the Philadelphia Flyers just waved today. You know, he's a solid offensive defenseman who can put some pucks in the net. He's a great defender on the power play, especially. You know, obviously they have issues with Keith Yandel as their primary left defenseman um, on the power play. So getting Goss to would be a boost there. But losing Ekblad just stinks because he was having a Norris Trophy-type season. And, you know, unfortunately he's going to miss 12 weeks, but – you know, I did see there's there's the possibility that he could come back in the middle of the playoffs. But, you know, I think the Panthers, I think they definitely should go out and get another defenseman down for the stretch run with the trade deadline coming up in a few weeks. And I think with Shane Gossespierre going on waivers, he might not cost too much to pick up. So maybe start there. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Bill Zito, the new general manager of the Panthers, decides to do from here on with Ekblad. But this could be... Um, you know, a, a thing that could move the Panthers forward, this catastrophic injury to Ekblad, maybe the team will rally around each other, play for him and start winning these games. They're only two points back of Tampa at this point, And everybody plays tonight in the central Carolina visits Chicago, uh, the Bolts host Columbus who got swept by Detroit and the Panthers will host the Red Wings tonight at seven. So hopefully moving forward could be, um, you know, the team rallies around Ekblad and Zito makes a move, potentially getting Goss's beer, the Floridian boy uh, who got put on waivers by Philadelphia, uh, which could be a huge move for the Panthers in terms of defensemen. They're a young team, especially on defense. We haven't seen Keith Yandel do much. Anton Strawman's having uh, an up and down season. Um, and then the, their young guys are proving a little too inconsistent. So it'll be interesting to see what Bill Zito does down the stretch. Speaking of Philadelphia, they almost uh, became one of the laughing stocks of the NHL, having a 3-0 lead in Buffalo yesterday and blowing it. What is the biggest change needed in Philadelphia if they're going to save their season? 
they got to figure it out defensively, man. They've been absolutely abysmal. I mean, they were able to pull it off in overtime last night, which was big because if they blew that, that would have been awful. Um, but then another thing they could do is, you know, Elaine Vigneault, I remember all the Rangers fans when he was here, they all wanted him gone. You could see that happen in Philadelphia if they don't have a great year because they had really high expectations going into this season, and they have just been terrible recently. You know, on last Thursday, they had that embarrassing 8-3 loss against my Rangers. You know, that was – I think they had a span where they gave up 17 straight goals against them mm-hmm. or something around that – something like that. But, you know, that's just – that can't happen. Um, and that was in two games, by the way. So, yeah, no, they got to figure it out defensively and – you know, I don't understand why they weighed Shane Costas Bear. I don't think he's been the problem. You know, I was reading a lot of Flyers twins, a lot of Flyers fans' tweets on Twitter, and they were upset that they got rid of Costas Bear. You know, I thought he was one of the better defenders on that team. Um, you know, I remember watching that Sandheim and Myers line. You know, they, they stink. Um, yeah, they got to get better play out of the defense and more consistent goalie play out of Carter Hart. One of, the, one of the tweets I found, and it was from uh, Quinnipiac's Tom Krasnowski, who's the host of the Dump and Change podcast. Um, he said that uh, Gossespierre spoke out about the team's problems after that big 8-3 loss against the Rangers, and then they, they put him on waivers after that. So it shows that the problems persist not just within the locker room, but within the organization, because there's clearly something wrong here with the Philadelphia Flyers uh, organization. And I think it also starts with their offense. They're not scoring enough goals. You look back at the losing streak, they've been scoring three or less goals a game. And that was the first time against Buffalo when they scored four, first time in almost 10 days when they put up four goals or more. So they need to start scoring. They need to figure out their defense. And, you know, putting God, I don't really think you're right. Putting Gossespierre, um, or Gossespierre, excuse me, on waivers was not the answer. So, one more with Buffalo and then a huge stretch with a road game at the Islanders at the, at the Bruins and a home and home. And then uh, they go back to Long Island to play the Islanders and then the Bruins speaking of the Bruins uh, in the middle of that Panthers game, the Bruins also lost another one, nothing defeat to the New Jersey devils. who I'm starting to believe are uh, the Bruins kryptonite at this point. Um, Brad Marchand being out is one thing, but what can the Bruins do to fix whatever problems they've got and try to make a run here at the, uh, at the, at a playoff spot in the East division. You know, they're coming off of that COVID break, which obviously is going to make it hard to be consistent right out of the gate after a long break while these other teams have been playing. But um, yeah, they've struggled mightily against the devils this year. Um, and that was a really tough one, nothing loss, but I think, you know, they just got to get, Offensive consistency outside of that top line, I think. Um, I think that could help a little bit. Obviously, Marshan being down now hurts that top line. Um, uh, but I don't think they're – I think they need – is Tuka Rask still hurt? I, yep. Yeah, they need – Yeah, they need, the start tonight. Yeah, they need Tuka – I think once they get Tuka Rask and Marshan back, they'll be in better shape. But um, outside of that, I think – you know, their defense hasn't been awful, but I just, I think they just need those guys to come back to pick it up. 
Well, they're going to get Marshawn back tonight after his false positive COVID test. Um, I think the Bruins need to just figure out how to beat teams that they should be blowing out. And that would include the New Jersey Devils. You can't keep losing a, a one nothing game to the New Jersey Devils every time. And for a Bruins team, it looked like after they beat Pittsburgh and then they took care of business against Buffalo, uh, not once, but twice, it seemed like, all right, they've got back on track, but they almost lost to Buffalo. They lost in overtime against the Islanders in a game that the Bruins had in, were in complete control of. And then they lost one up the other day. They're starting to be inconsistent beating teams that they should be beating and then losing the games that they really shouldn't be losing. I'm trying to reword this in a way. They're losing games that they have won and should be winning this season. I, I think the 17, nine and five record is a little bit abysmal for them. And they're, they've got a really tough stretch too. Pittsburgh's coming up. You got Philadelphia for a home and home. You're going to go to Washington and then uh, two more with the New York Islanders at home. And the Bruins really need to pick it up because they're in fourth place in the East division. And when you look at um, Philadelphia and the Rangers now coming up um, five points behind them, it's, it's, it's all or nothing for the Bruins. And uh, I want to see one of the New Jersey Devils. You know, I talked about it last week. The Devils have been up and down, but they're they're hanging in there. Beating the Bruins last night was a good start. They're four points behind the Rangers and uh, eight behind Philadelphia, and they've got a game in hand. And one thing that I will say does work in the Bruins' favor is that they've played um, five less games than Pittsburgh and the Islanders. So despite the fact they're only nine points back, they've played five less games. So they've still got a lot of time to make up some ground and get back in the swing of this thing. Uh, so let's go to the West and let's talk about Colorado. Um, I, I think the Avalanche have figured something out. They've won. Uh, they won yesterday against Anaheim, uh, five to two. Kel McCarr again, another fantastic game. Uh, they have picked up points in every game up in, up to March eighth, or excuse me, they've picked up a point in every game past March eighth. Two losses in overtime, and uh, they've they've dominated every rest of the way. So are the Colorado Avalanche on the lookout as to pass uh, Vegas in the near future? I think very much so, or at least compete with them. You know, they're getting – they're kind of like – right now they're like the Phoenix Suns, in my <laughs> opinion, of hockey. You know, they're just offense, offense, offense. They've got a lot of talent. You know, Miko Rantanen, 40 points. Nathan McKinnon, 38 points. Landis is 30 they're getting great play out of Sam Girard, the defenseman. Um, Jonas Donskoy, who used to be on the San Jose Sharks, he's been hot. And obviously, Kale McCarr is one of the best young defensemen in the game. Um, I'm really enjoying watching the Avalanche play. And, you know, they've put up a lot of goals. And Philip Grubauer, you got to give him a lot of credit. 21-7-1, 1.74 goal allowed per game. He's been phenomenal back there. Not only are they getting – they're looking great in all three facets of the game, offense, defense, and goaltending. They are definitely a threat to potentially catch Vegas as they sit just one point behind them. So that's going to be a good battle as the season comes to an end. Yeah, and that's – it certainly well. And Colorado's been on fire with this offense that we expected to be um, – really solid at the start of the season. And 
the way that they've been playing the last couple of games, I know that they've lost some heartbreakers in the past. Um, a tough one against Arizona that ended in overtime. Tough loss to Vegas in overtime. But other than that, they've been on a roll. Um, they get Arizona tomorrow night, and Arizona is uh, trying to make a push. I don't think the Coyotes are, are there yet. Uh, but they sit a point back of St. Louis with uh, about 20 games to go. So the Coyotes could be making a run. So that is a big game for both teams, uh, for Colorado needing to catch Vegas and for Arizona to try to get in the playoffs, uh, trying to pass St. Louis. So that'll be an interesting uh, race heading towards the uh, final full month of the season, which is in a couple of days. Um, so let's go quick question. Speaking of Arizona, are the Coyotes in a position to pass the Blues and get into the playoffs in the West Division? You know, they've been playing pretty well recently. They've gone 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10, which is solid, obviously in a tough division. Um, they got Clayton Keller, who's played really well with 28 points. Garland, I think Phil Kessel's done well. Yeah, he's 14 goals. You know, I think they definitely have a shot. Um, it's just going to come down to how they play versus St. Louis, I think, head-to-head. -head. It's going to be a good race. I think Phil Kessel um, had a big game on Saturday, had a hat trick against San Jose. The Yotes have won three in a row, going back to that overtime win against Colorado, and they've won four of their last five. St. Louis um, has lost four straight. Yeah, and then we'll bring them up in a second. So I, I, I'm a believer. I, you know, I, I've been a huge believer in Arizona based on the fact that I've been to their arena about three times. Uh, so the problem is they've got a really long road trip coming up, starting at Colorado, two at Anaheim, two at L.A., two at Vegas, back at Colorado, and then at Minnesota before coming home. So this long road trip is going to determine if the Coyotes are a make it or break it uh, West Division contender. Um, but I like the way their offense has been playing. I think that they've got some good skill offensively, and I think their defense is coming around, and their goaltending has been solid. So you brought up the Blues. They've lost four in a row. Are the Blues in danger of missing the playoffs after uh, being in the mix for the last couple of years? You know, they're, they're in serious trouble right now. They've really struggled offensively in recent recent games. You know, they had one game against the Sharks where they put up five goals, but besides that, I'm seeing a lot of ones and zeros on as their scores. Um, you know, they're just not getting enough consistent offense, and you can't win games if you don't score. Um, you know, they've had – O'Reilly's had a good year, Perron – and I haven't seen – I think Tarasenko hasn't played much this year. I think they need him to get going, you know, to help get that offense going again. But they're in trouble because Arizona is playing good hockey right now, and they sit just one point behind them. And even the L.A. Kings, you know, could potentially go on a run and catch up. So they've, they've got to pick it up fast because time could be running out soon. One of the things that's bothering me about St. Louis, they, they didn't give up a lot of shots against uh, the Ducks – in uh, that, that two-game sweep that, uh, that cost them this. Um, they only gave up, I think, 22 shots in both games. And Jordan Bennington, um, or defensively they made, they made plays, but Jordan Bennington should have made a bunch of key saves down the stretch. And as much as good as St. Louis has been, I'm having a little bit of uh, a lack of confidence in their offense and a little bit of lack of confidence in their goaltending. Um, as Jordan Bennington, who had a fantastic Stanley Cup run in 2019, has not looked the same. And, you know, giving up 24 shots to the Ducks and still ended up losing that game a couple of days ago, 
it, it's it's questionable and the blues have to pick it up because they are again they've lost four in a row arizona's breathing down their necks and the schedule does not get easier they do they're on a, they're in the middle of an off week but then it's two really big series at colorado and then a home series with for, with vegas and then three against minnesota and then against colorado before arizona comes to visit in what should be a really interesting game depending on how the last, rest of the week goes um who is the team to get the fourth spot in the Central Division right now? Right now, it's the Nashville Predators, I think. You know, they've won five straight games. We were talking about it the other night. They've played really well. Um, you know, I really like – they've gotten 29 points out of Philip Forsberg. Roman Yossi on defense has been great. Arvidsson, John, or John Rock, um, Eckholm's a beast on defense. You know, I, I really like the way that they've been playing, especially recently. They had some big wins over the Chicago Blackhawks. And, yeah, right now I'm, I'm going with them for that four spot as of now. You know, I thought it was Dallas because of the way that they played against, um, I believe, who, who did they play before? The Panthers. They played against Tampa and won, so I had confidence. And then they lost two against the, the Panthers in that overtime game when it looked like, Ekblad's uh, game-winning goal got taken off the board, and then he scores the next one 10 seconds later. Um, uh, Anton Udobin looked about as frustrated as I've ever seen him be frustrated. Um, so the Stars are in trouble. Columbus, I don't know what's going on. They've lost four straight. And, you know, after that, those two wins against Carolina in the extra frame, I thought this would be a team that could go on a run. Since then, they've lost four in a row, both two games against Detroit, which is really questionable. And then Chicago, I don't know what's going on with them either. Um, they dominated the Panthers for two games and then laid two goose eggs to the Predators. Credit the Predators are on a bit of a hot streak. But I don't know. I, I, I would just at this point, I'm going to go with Nashville because I think they're getting healthy at the right time. I think Yusei Saros is back in his uh, elite form. And uh, I'm seeing things out of their defense that I didn't see at the beginning of the season. So to put up seven against Detroit and then go sweep Chicago after beating Dallas on the road. I think it's a good sign for a team that looked a little bit uh, scary. And I will say this, they beat Tampa and then went to Florida and played two pretty good games, even though they lost game two um, in South Florida. But I think the, the Predators might be the team that uh, makes the, uh, makes the playoffs out of those four. Um it certainly won't be Detroit, but I will say the Red Wings have been very, very competitive, and uh, we'll see what they can do tonight against uh, the Panthers. Uh, lastly, the first team to 50 points was Washington. What's the best word to describe the Washington Capitals this season? Offensively stout. You know, they're really, they're really good. Um, obviously, Alex Ovechkin's a monster. You know, I watched them put five goals up against the Rangers on Sunday. Um, then the Rangers almost came back in that, but they were able to hold the fort. You know, Nicholas Backstrom's having a great year. He has 36 points. John Carlson on defense, 28. TJ Oshie, 24. Then Tom Wilson had a two-goal game against the Rangers the other night. You know, obviously, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but he's, he's solid. You know, Kuznetsov's pretty good, too. I think he came back from injury recently. You know, they've just got a lot of talent on that team, and that offense is just really good. And, you know, they're they're tough. Gonna I'm going to say – Against the Rangers. Yeah. 
I'm going to say young and scary because after they lost Braden Holtby, I didn't think Vanacek or Samsonov would be the guys to carry them. And so far, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with Samsonov. Uh, I'm impressed with Vanacek. And I'm just impressed with the way this team, their veterans have really shaped the young younger players into uh, being in the system. They have been dominant this month. They've only lost one game uh, since – that 5-1 loss to the Bruins back in Mar- on March 5th, and that was a 3-1 loss to uh, the Rangers. But they have been dominant. They have, they're offensively talented, and I'm seeing things. This defense is coming around. Um, I, think that the, I think if they get into the playoffs and they get to play one of the top dogs in the West or in the, in the Central or in the Canadian division in the playoffs, they're going to be a really tough team to beat because this offense and this young goaltending staff is uh, – one of the best in the NHL. So um, I would be interested to see what would happen if Tampa and Washington would meet in the playoffs. Cause I think that would be a really fun series with the way that Washington's young goaltenders would be taking on a, a Tampa Bay offense. That is just downright scary. So let's go to basketball and let's start with the West. We always start with the East, but we'll switch, uh, switch sides for the first time. And I'm going to start with Utah. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think that, the Jazz would be in a position to, um, you know, uh, get a little bit of room from Phoenix after they lost to Washington. I was thinking, all right, Phoenix might catch them. Then there's the Lakers who are trying to get healthy. But since then, Utah's won six in a row, absolutely dominating Brooklyn. I'll beat Brooklyn was a little bit beat up. But I think Utah's back. I think Utah's back, and I think they're back in business. They've won six in a row, and they look like probably the most dominant I've seen them since the beginning of the season. You know that blowout win over the Nets that really impressed me. Despite even though Brooklyn was missing their big three for that game, but Utah still they won by thirty points, and the Nets still have some reserves who have played really well this year. So really impressive win there, and then they beat. Memphis by 16 on Saturday. They absolutely blew out the Cavs by, oh, I, it's almost, a, I think, 40 on Monday. So, yeah, the Utah Jazz, you know, I guess we could squash any doubts we had about them a few weeks ago. Um, Donovan Mitchell's having a great year. He's a superstar, t- almost 26 points a game. Jordan Clarkson's been great. Mike Conley. Solid as well. Rudy Gobert and Bogdanovich have been good. You know, I really like the way they're playing right now. And, you know, I think I think they're they've got to be the favorite for that one seed, but watch out for Phoenix. I will say this, they there hasn't been much competition with um with Mem- uh with the Jazz. They've only played they played Memphis a few times, Chicago, Toronto. They blew out Cleveland last night. Um the one challenge was Brooklyn and then Brooklyn pretty much had everybody that was good sit out uh, cause they were injured and the, the jazz just ran right through them. So they, they're probably the real tough test. I think the first tough test of this stretch for the jazz would be at Dallas in a couple of weeks um, when the jazz play at the Mavericks and then they will play at Phoenix to kind of kick off a good run in April. Uh, Portland's on the list in April, both LA's I believe are on the list in April um, you got the Suns again. You got um, Indiana. You got a couple more rounds with San Antonio and Denver. So easy schedule for the Jazz. And we've seen now that this is a confidence boost for a team that looked good at the beginning of the season and is trying to find their footing in the second half. So 
what this could do, I think, for a team that was struggling is give them some confidence moving forward because I think they've they found their rhythm, uh, pun intended. Uh, you know, I think they're back on track. They're, they're scoring, and they're just dominating teams like they were at the beginning of the season. So confidence boost moving forward was huge for Utah. Uh, confidence boost is going to be needed for the Lakers after narrowly escaping the Orlando Magic last night or two nights ago. But they do get Andre Drummond. So what will um, – Andre Drummond uh, bring to the Lakers that the Lakers will need at this point after barely escaping uh, Orlando on Sunday night. You know, I think that was a big pickup for the Lakers because obviously, you know, with AD and LeBron being down, you're missing a lot of talent on, especially the offensive end. I mean, Schroeder's been pretty solid and Montrez Harrell's actually been averaging 17 points a game since AD went down. But You've been seeing a lot of inconsistent play out of Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, Caldwell Pope. You know, they've really struggled offensively. And I think adding a guy like Drummond, who's so good at getting offensive rebounds, and he's just a he's a good interior scorer or inside scorer, you know, I think that's big. And I think once they get LeBron and A D back, you know, adding having those three guys as your front court, that's gonna be scary. You know, um, that's going to be really tough to score on. And I think that I think in the once you get LeBron and AD back, the Lakers are going to be really scary. One of the things that does concern me is their schedule. Uh, and it starts with tomorrow with the Bucks coming to town. And uh, the Bucks have been a uh, little bit under the weather with uh, some tough losses to the Knicks and to the Celtics in the past. Um, and then the stretch really begins on the road against Miami, uh, the other side of LA, uh, Brooklyn, hopefully they'll be fully healthy for that game. Uh, the Knicks, the Hornets against the Celtics, the jazz and at Dallas for two. So we're going to learn a lot about the Lakers in the next couple of weeks, but I think they're going to get healthy. I think LeBron will come back in a few weeks. Anthony Davis will come back and they'll get back to being fully healthy, healthy, and uh, make a good run, hopefully at the number two or number three seed um, with the way Phoenix has been um, after narrowly escaping Charlotte last night. Um, and then there's Denver. You know, Denver's been pretty good, seven and three their last 10. They've won two in a row. They knocked off Atlanta, who was uh, on the rise. Um, can the Nuggets make a good push and get into one of the top seeds in the West if the Lakers continue to fall apart? You know, I certainly think they can. And one play, and you know, they picked up Aaron Gordon at the trade deadline. I think that was a really great move for them because Paul Millsap hasn't been great at the out of the, as their starting four. So I think picking up Aaron Gordon, who's been really solid for the Magic, that was a good move for them. But one player I want to highlight, obviously, there's Jokic and Murray. I've talked about them a lot, but Michael Porter Jr. has been phenomenal this year. He's averaging over 16 points a game. He hit a couple of big shots the other night. And, you know, I really wish he was one of those guys that I was really upset the Knicks selected Kevin Knox over him, you know, because I knew this kid was going to be a talent. And, you know, he's showing that this year. Um, they've got a lot of talent on that team. And I think the Nuggets picking up Aaron Gordon with Michael Porter Jr. playing so well. And with Jokic and Murray, they're going to be tough to beat, especially come playoff time. They're scoring a lot more points than they were at the beginning of the season, and they are getting back to their fundamental defensive roots after shutting down Atlanta. 
um, outscoring them in the last three quarters. Atlanta got off to a 35-31 start in the in the first quarter, and then the Nuggets took control from there. Um, outscored them by 14 in the second quarter. One of the best things they did was offensive rebounds. They had 15 offensive rebounds in the game. Um, had 32 assists, which was almost double the amount of assists that the Hawks had. Uh, they shot 54% from the field, uh, 41% three-point range. I think that they are they're back to being a better defensive team. But, again, I'm going to bring up the schedule. Big test tonight because they will host Philadelphia and the Sixers, and then they go at the Clippers, and the Clippers are going to, are going to need that game. They get a nice little break with Orlando and Detroit, and then San Antonio comes to town. The Celtics, although the Celtics, and we'll get into them, are on, on a little bit of thin ice right now. Um, Miami and then Portland and Golden State. So again, but I, I really like this team. And you mentioned Gordon. I think he's going to help. And I think, you know, the, the net Nuggets defense is going to be the reason why they're going to make a, a key run in the playoffs. So, uh, all right. So let's head over to the East and it's still another shuffle block or the blocks are continuing to be shuffled in the East. We still don't know who the fourth best team in the East is. Currently it's Charlotte. They're in a uh, uh, tie with New York for that number four spot, but let's start with the Celtics because I, I am getting really sick and tired of the Celtics losing games that they should be winning. They get uh, Evan Poirier from the magic and he was over, I think 10 or nine or 10. It, it wasn't good. Yeah. He, I, I'm sorry, but I know it's game one for him in a, in a green and, and white uniform, but that was the game. The Celtics really needed to win. Fans were back in Boston for the first time since the pandemic hit and they got treated to an absolute, you know, S show. Uh, it, it just looks bad. I don't know what what can the Celtics do to fix what, what's going on with them right now. And I'm and I'm going to assume that it's going to be defense. I'm going to say defense, but one, looking at the Celtics roster, one thing I am scared about with them is that they don't have a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Fournier. I think in the end, Fournier is going to be a good pickup. He was terrible last night. Um. But he does add good three-point shooting to that team. So I think that's going to help them in the long run. But, um, you know, Jason Tatum, Kemba, um, they need Jalen Brown to come back. I don't think he played last night. Um, But, yeah, the defense was bad. You know, 115 to the Pelicans. You know, I will say, I know the Pelicans are four games under 500, but they've been getting some really good play especially out of guys like Zion Williamson, who's averaging like 29 points over the last month. And he had 28 last night. Brandon Ingram's a beast. Um, and I know Lonzo Ball didn't play last night, but he's been great too. And I see Josh Hart had 15 points and 15 boards. He's a mm-hmm. solid player. Um, but yeah, that's a frustrating loss for the Celtics. And, you know, they've had some great wins this year. They beat the Clippers. I remember they beat, beat someone else really good too. Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee, yeah. Um, but they've also had some stinkers. Um, like, I remember the game against the Knicks where they only scored, like, 70 points. Then, obviously, last night was a tough one. So, yeah, they just got to be – they got to find some consistency in their game and play better defense. I, I thought coming off that win against the Bucs that the Celtics would start to be much better of a, of, of a balanced team. But then again, the Celtics are just a team that's just defensively challenged. And then they only give up 94 against Oklahoma City. And I think that was a game that was a you know good confidence boost going back home with fans. You play in a team like the Pelicans. 
And as you mentioned, four games under 500, but much better team than, than the record says they are. And Zion was all over the place. He had, he shot 22 uh, attempts and at 28 points and some other statistics, the Celtics were 32% from three point range and the Pelicans shot 51% from three point range and the Pelicans took less threes. They shot 50% from the field and um, their rebound game was better. Um, I just don't think this, the Celtics have to get healthy and they've got to be able to get back to playing defense and another tough task for them because Dallas is coming up. Then they got Charlotte who's playing a lot better. Um, the Sixers come to town, the Knicks come to town, and then it's a long Western road trip against Denver, Portland, and LA. And all those teams need to start winning these games. So um, they need to get back on track. And I think beating a team like the Hornets coming up is going to be huge. So speaking of the Charlotte Hornets, they currently sit in a tie with the Knicks for fourth place, but the Hornets have been playing some good ball. Um, I know they lost in overtime to the Suns, um, but before that they won three in a row. Should we consider the Hornets as a threat in the Eastern Conference if they make the playoffs? Um, you know, I think losing LaMelo Ball really hurts them. Um, you know, he's had such a great year all around, averaging 16 points a game and almost 6-6 six and six in rebounds and assists. But Devontae Graham has stepped up. He's really solid as stepping into that LaMelo Ball role. He had a big three-point shot last night to force overtime, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I saw the Hornets bench went nuts. You know, Gordon Hayward's really good. Terry Rozier, Scary Terry, ex-Boston Celtic has played well. Um, I do think that they're dangerous, but I don't think they're one of the top teams in the East. One of the things that impressed me in against the Phoenix Suns the other night, the Suns had a big lead going into the fourth quarter. The Hornets didn't, you know, usually teams like take a step back. The Hornets didn't step back. They fought back. They got the, as the, as you mentioned, the late three jump shot to force OT. They outscored Phoenix 23 to 14 in the fourth quarter. I don't see the Suns get held for less than 20 points in a single quarter at this point in the season. So I know it was a loss in overtime, but the Hornets battling back and forcing OT has got to be a good confidence boost for them moving forward. They get Washington tonight at home. Um, in a pretty interesting game, or excuse me, on the road in Washington to kick off a big road trip, which I think is, is we're going to learn a lot about the Hornets because it's Brooklyn, Indiana, the Celtics, Oklahoma City, and then at Milwaukee to finish it off. So we're going to learn a lot about the Hornets and see if one of the, the if they're one of the top teams. But they held the Suns to 20% from three-point range. This, the, that's a pretty good sign for the Hornets' defense. Um, I will say this, they did commit 20 turnovers in the game against Phoenix and you're not going to win a lot, a lot of games like that. So the Hornets could be a good team. I just don't, I think they'd probably be a one and done team in the playoffs. I'm not sure if, if they could beat the Knicks or the Bucks or the Nets or the 76ers when it comes down to that. Um, so let's go to the Bucks. We'll get into the Knicks in a second. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about the Bucks. Um, they've lost three in a row to teams I didn't think that they, that they should be losing to. Um, they lose the, the second half of a back-to-back with the Celtics. Then they somehow lose to a Knicks team that was without a couple of starters um, at home. And then they go out to L.A. and lay, a, and lay an egg against the, um, I believe it was the Clippers, and they lost by 24 points. Should we be very concerned about the Bucks after losing three in a row against teams that, you know, they, they're probably better than? 
You know, I will say for the, the loss against the Knicks, they were missing Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Senzo, who are four of their starters. So it was they and the Knicks were missing Julius Randle, to be fair. But they were missing four of their starters who were all really good. So that really hurt them in that one. And against the against the Clippers, they just they just didn't look good. Um Middleton shot um under 50% from the field. So did Giannis. Devin Shinzo only had five points. Drew Holiday played well, but um, they also struggled mightily defensively, giving up 20 or more points to four players on the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, and Luke Kennard. You know, um, they've, they've, they've got to improve their defense and they've got to stay healthy. But I think if they can do that, I think they'll be in good shape and, I'm excited to see their, this game against the Lakers tomorrow night. Yeah, it's going to be a huge game for the Bucs to try to get back on track. Um, I don't think it's in primetime television. Oh, it is. It's on ESPN. So yep. that'll be a big game for both teams when you consider the way that the Lakers have been playing and the Bucs losing three in a row. It's going to be a team that can snap out of this losing skid. Um, but they're in the middle of a Western road trip. That also includes Portland, who's playing well. The Kings, who have been known to upset good teams. And then the, the Warriors with Steph Curry and then the Mavericks who are playing some pretty good ball. So, again, we're learning in the schedule. You're going to learn a lot about a team. You're going to learn a lot about the Bucs and this defense that is really struggling. I thought the loss to the Knicks was concerning until you mentioned that they didn't have uh, most of their starters. The other odds at Tecompo, um, the Nassus had 20, 23 points in that game. Um, but they shot 41% from the field. Um they let the Knicks hang around and make a fourth quarter comeback to beat them. Um, I think this is a defensively challenged team and they need to figure it out going into this game against the Lakers. Um, so then let's go to the Knicks and the Knicks, I think are in some trouble. I know that they're not healthy um, losing Randall and some of their other guys, but they've lost. Uh, they just lost to Miami last night in a game. I thought the Knicks could have uh, hung around in after winning three in a row. Um, how concerned are you as a Knicks fan that these injuries might be um, might be a big, much bigger problem than initially thought? You know, the injury that I'm concerned about that's really going to impact the team is the Mitchell Robinson foot fracture. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be out for the season. Um, you know, that's a big blow because now the Knicks only have two centers on their active roster and Nerlens Noel, who's been great. You know, he's done a great job filling in for Mitch and Taj Gibson, who's also been a good veteran off the bench. But the question is, you know, both of those guys have had injury problems in the past. You know, if you lose one of them, they're in deep trouble. Um, Julius Randle is back, actually. He came back last night and he didn't really play well. Um, he did end up scoring 22 points, but he also shot three for nine from three, seven for 17 from the field. And he missed a lot of free throws. And last night was a really brutal loss for the Knicks. Um, you know, they, a lot of guys, they struggled mightily from the field. You know, they shot just 27% from three. You know, it's not going to do it. And they were getting out-rebounded heavily from Miami, even though I will say I don't love Miami as a matchup for the Knicks. You know, I think Miami's got a really solid squad. I know they had lost six straight, but – I really like that Jimmy Butler, Bam out of bio. Um, Tyler Hero had a good game. Duncan Robinson's a lethal shooter. 
And they're going to get Oladipo back soon, which is going to be huge. That was a great pickup for them. But the Knicks, you know, I'm not too concerned. You know, we have a pretty easy schedule coming up. We got the Timberwolves coming up. I think we could beat the Mavericks. We have the Pistons after that. Then we have Brooklyn, which is going to be a tough one. But then I think we could compete with Boston and the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. Then the Raptors, you know. I think the Knicks have a pretty favorable schedule coming down the stretch. And they got Derrick Rose back, who's played well. So, yeah, I'm still excited as a Knicks fan. You know, they're they're playing good ball. And that game against Brooklyn, the Nets had it had them down on the wire, and it came down to a a Kyrie block that ended the game uh, for Brooklyn. Yeah. So that that's a game the Nets could the uh, the Knicks could certainly look at and say, all right, that motivates us. We were that close. We've got a chance. We can beat these guys. Um, I, I would be interested to see if if they make a move. I, I think I saw one of the Philadelphia 76ers uh, centers up for grabs. I forget his his name is slipping my mind right now. Um, see if they can make a play. Uh, for any guy on waivers that could help fill the void for Mitchell Robinson, but you're right. I don't. Th- I don't, I wouldn't panic going into Wednesday's game against the the Timberwolves, who are one of the statistically one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, if they lose, I'll panic. <laughs> it, it, it. I will say the Timberwolves did lose by five against Brooklyn. So, um, which again goes back to my point of the Nets is all this talent, and they can still lose to some of these um, lesser. Uh, lesser teams in the NBA. So uh, the Knicks do play good defense, and if they could stay healthy, I think that they're going to make a solid run. Um, I think they could beat the Hornets. I think they could beat the Celtics. Um, and But Miami got back on the right track, so that's a good win from, for the Heat. Um, and a lot of my friends from South Florida who are Panther fans on Twitter um, were really excited about that Heat game last night, getting back, getting healthy. When Owen Debo comes back, I think the Heat are going to be a scary team down the road. So, all right, let's wrap it up here and go to some quick questions. Are the Brooklyn Nets the favorite to win the NBA Finals after um, picking up whatever other big-name guy that they just picked up last week? Yeah, they picked up LaMarcus Aldridge, another really good pickup. He's averaging over 13 points a game. But I'm going to go back to the point. There's only one ball, and you got all these elite players on the team. I don't – I'm, I'm still going to go after the Drummond pickup. I'm going to go with the Lakers. I would take the Lakers over the Nets in a series right now. Um, but I do think the Nets are very dangerous offensively. And James Harden might win the MVP. He's been so good for them. And Kyrie Irving's back from – he took a leave of absence. I think his wife had a, a baby. So he's back now. Um, and I'm sure Kevin Durant's going to be back at some point soon. So I want to see – I'm not ready to declare them the favorites. I want to see how all these guys play together, but they are loaded with talent, so we'll see. The last double-digit win for the Brooklyn Nets was March 11th against the Celtics. That was the start of the second half of the schedule. They have not beaten any team by more than – by less than – excuse me. They haven't beaten any team by more than 10 points up to that point. So – and again, I'm still waiting to see, like, you know, play to the level of competition, you know, barely escape Washington, barely escape Portland, um, and then get absolutely hammered by Utah. Again, they were beat up, so everything was fine. But then last night, win by five against Minnesota? Like, how does that happen? So I'm not ready to cement this team as one of the best. They need to be, they need, like you said, get them time to gel together, play together, 
and start winning games that you should be running away with. And, uh, you know, Houston's, you know, they're going to play Houston and Houston's really, really bad. So hopefully the Nets will probably blow them out. But after that game against Minnesota, I'm not so sure about that. Um, so how about the other top team in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, um, after losing to the Clippers, what, um, aside from Joel Embiid needing to come back, uh, what can the Sixers do well to get back on the right track and stay in that first place spot in the East? No, I will say one player that's done a really good job while Embiid's been out is Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. And I think he needs to continue to play well for them to hold on to that top spot in the East. You know, he's averaging over 20 points a game now. Um, and I also think getting Seth Curry back was big because he's having a really good year for them. You know, he's been lethal from the three-point behind the arc. He's been a good free-throw shooter. Um, but I think if Tobias Harris can continue to play well, you know, I think the Sixers are a very sound defensive team. You know, Ben Simmons has done a good job despite all the overrated and hate that he gets. Um, he's been very good defensively, and he's averaging 16 points a game. But if Harris can keep playing well, and then when they get Embiid back, that team could be a bit major threat to beat Brooklyn in the playoffs, or at least run the East. You know, it's going to be – they're good. I still think they're better than Brooklyn because of the way that they've – that their chemistry compared to uh, the Brooklyn Nets buying all their talent – how does that – yeah, that's true. Um, I just think the Sixers are just more of a complete team. When they get Joel Embiid back, hopefully sometime in the near future, they are just the best team in the East because of the way that they play together. The Nets haven't played together yet, so because of that, that's why I'm giving Philadelphia the edge. And their schedule gets pretty simple. I'm interested to see how they play tonight against Denver. This is going to be a good test for the Sixers uh, and the Nuggets, to be fair. Uh, battling it out for that uh, game tonight at, at Ball Arena in in, um, in Denver. Um, and then their schedule kind of gets soft. They play Cleveland, Minnesota, Memphis, the Celtics, at the Pelicans, at the Thunder, and then at the Mavericks before hosting the Nets. And that could give them the edge. They're hosting Brooklyn on the 14th. And that's going to be a big game for Philadelphia and for Brooklyn because that could potentially be ultimately the tie-breaking game in the Eastern Conference. So they only played two – I think they only played two more times – down the road, I see one, so maybe it's only one, but um, it'll be a fantastic test. And hopefully, MB will come back for that game because that would be a huge game to determine who wins the top spot in the Eastern Conference. So, um, for the Miami Heat, can they get in? Or excuse me, can Miami make a dangerous play uh, run at the number four seed when everybody's healthy? I certainly think they can. You know, they've got a lot of talent on that team. And like I said before, you know, Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Oladipo, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, um, Precious Achua has been solid. You know, I think they've got a lot of solid talent on that team. And, yeah, they had that six-game losing streak, but they're also a little banged up. But I think that win over the Knicks, they show that they're a very solid defensive team. And they've got some scorers on that team, especially once Oladipo comes back. I definitely think they can challenge the other East teams, the like five or six of them that are contending for that four spot. And I think they could come out on top. You know, I think they're really solid. This is one of the more complete teams, I feel like, when Oladipo gets healthy. And in an Eastern Conference where Charlotte only holds that number four spot by – only two games when you consider the Pacers are at the ninth spot. 
Um, it's going to be a dogfight for that number four spot. Currently, it's between them and the Knicks, but you know Atlanta's been playing better. The Celtics, if they can get defense, can be better. When Miami gets healthy, they can play better. When Indiana figures things out, they could be better. Um, I would even throw Chicago into the mix. The Bulls have been playing some solid ball, even though they've lost four in a row. But they've been they've been competitive. Um, it's just going to come down true. to. Yeah, it's going to just come down to who can be more consistent out of those five, six teams in the Eastern Conference that can compete for that number four spot. Do we believe in the uh, Portland Trailblazers to make a run at the number four spot? Um, I don't know about the four spot, but I definitely think that they could go toe-to-toe with the Nuggets. You know, I really like the way that the Trailblazers have played, and I really like the addition of Norm Powell. You know, he was having a breakout year with the Raptors. And then they picked him up the other day, and he stared down the Raptors bench when he scored. I remember that. That was funny. Um, but, yeah, I think that was a great pickup. C.J. McCollum is back, and he's been phenomenal. Obviously, Damian Lillard almost averaging 30 points per game is great. And then uh, Carmelo Anthony and S. Canner, they have Nurkic back. Covington's a solid player. I really like this Trailblazers team. But I don't know if I'm ready to say that once the Lakers get healthy, that they're one of the top four teams. I think the Blazers can beat the Clippers, and I think they could beat the Lakers, and I think they could beat the Nuggets for um, if they got to the playoffs. I think that Damian Lillard is still an MVP candidate. I think that um, if they just if they just keep playing that level of consistency, they're going to be uh, very good. Beating the Heat was huge. Uh, escaping the Raptors the other night was huge. Um, big game for them on April 2nd against Milwaukee, um, which I think is a Friday night game in Portland. So that'll be a fan, a very fun game to watch between uh, Damian Lillard and uh, Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I think that we, they are just playing to that level of consistency. They're not winning flashy. They're not winning, you know, against bad teams. They're just winning and, and playing a good brand of ball that, there's a good feeling about, so, uh, you know, if they get to the playoffs, I think they're going to be very dangerous. So uh, lastly, team out of the mix in the West that could play spoiler um, for uh, any, t- any team in the playoff spot right now. Spoiler. I'm going to go with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw it last night against the Celtics, you know, Zion Williamson's on an unbelievable run right now where he's just putting up crazy numbers offensively. They have Brandon Ingram. You know, obviously Lonzo Ball's really good, or he's having a great year. Uh, you know, I really like the way the Pelicans have played recently, even though they haven't necessarily been winning a lot. But um, or actually, no, they've been they've been pretty hot. Six and four in their last ten. Yeah, they've won six. They're six and four in their last ten. Um, but I definitely think they can play the role of spoiler. I think they have a lot of talent. And if I were to pick another team, it would be Sacramento because they have a great offense, but I'm going to stick with the Pelicans. You know, I, Zion has just been unbelievable. That win against the Lakers the other night was huge for the Pelicans. Um, the way that they were able to take control of the game in the, in the second half and run away from a beat-up Lakers team. They've been shooting 50% from the field. Um, winners of four of their last five, uh, and that includes beating Denver, Dallas, and the Lakers, and then the Celtics the other night. I think that, you know, if some of these teams in the, in the West start falling apart. They only trail the, uh, um, the San Antonio Spurs by three games. If the, some of these teams begin to fall off and the Pelicans just keep 
hanging in there. I would not be surprised to see the, the Pelicans uh, squeak their way in there. And their schedule gets a little bit softer. Orlando, Atlanta for two, Houston, and then some big tests against at, at Brooklyn and then against Philadelphia. So if they could just keep competing and keep playing at that level, um, I would not be surprised to see them in, in the playoffs. So uh, with that, that will conclude episode uh, 21 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. And Andrew, good luck at Yankee Stadium this weekend. The opening Thank day you. is, uh, was it now, two days away? So two days away. Very exciting. So uh, some big baseball coming up. And, that, and we'll get into baseball. So we'll be able to talk about uh, Andrew's trip back to Yankee Stadium on, uh, I believe, what is it, Sunday? Yep. Sunday the 4th? April 4th. So Easter, Easter Sunday. So, yeah. So Easter Sunday, the Yankees will play against Toronto at uh, 1 o'clock. So uh, good luck with that. Um, Thank you. Happy Easter to everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week.